Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski. Jeff is the head of global research at Alhambra Investments. And on the 24th of May, he posted about U.S. Treasury two-year yields and Eurodollar future whites, the near-term contracts. And basically, Jeff, both of them are saying, what had they been saying? They've been saying, nothing yet. And more recently, they've been getting into the starter block. Yeah, you got to remember your chromodynamics for Eurodollar futures, which are packs of four, four calendar quarter contracts, the immediate four on the curve are the whites, the next four are the reds, the four after that are the greens, the four after that are the blues, then you get gold, purples, and on, 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 on down the curve. And the chromodynamics, these colors actually mean something in interpreting the curve. We've talked about this before in previous episodes where we said the whites and the reds are the Fed. So the first two years, Eurodollar futures contracts, because these are massive portfolios, massive behemoths, financial players across the system who have these huge, enormous risks to hedge, they look at what is the biggest risk that you're going to have to hedge against. And in a two-year short-term time frame, when you got Eurodollar futures tied to three-month LIBOR, your biggest hedge, your biggest threat, your biggest potential change is monetary policy of the Federal Reserve. So the whites and the reds, those nearest contracts to now, are heavily influenced by what the Federal Reserve says it is going to do, because you kind of have to take them at the word. They say they're going to start raising rates, for example, then we got to believe that they're going to raise rates. And so the whites and the reds are going to reflect higher interest rates, higher alternatives to three-month LIBOR, which means the curve in the whites and the reds is going to be relatively steep. Now, where it gets interesting initially is after that into the greens, blue, golds, and beyond, where the market starts to look at threats and risks to three-month LIBOR beyond strictly monetary policy. Because as history has shown, as recent history has shown, just a couple of years ago, Jay Powell and the Fed may say they're going to do one thing, but end up doing something very different because of other factors like deflationary money potential, global downturns that they don't ever see coming, sort of things like that. So the curve in the whites and the reds looks at the Fed. The Fed's going to do its monetary policy, but greens, blues, golds, it looks at more deeper fundamental risks beyond strictly the Fed because over time, the Fed is more likely to be wrong than not. And so all of this culminated last October when the the Eurodollar futures curve went from nicely, almost uniformly steep all the way through all the colors expressing more, well, not really optimism, but less pessimism than there had been in 2020 and early 2021. And then all of a sudden, starting in October, things changed. Coincident to the yield curve flattening, the Eurodollar futures curve flattened, not in the reds and whites, but in the greens and blues and golds and beyond. And then warning of warnings, the key date that we're going to continue to come back to time and time again, December 1st of last year, we had an inversion. Oh, ghastly inversion, ugly inversion in the blues, way down the curve in the blues. And that, you know, it's easy to dismiss an inversion. The contract, I believe, was the March 2025 contract. It's easy to dismiss it as the as the market saying, oh, maybe there's going to be some major problem way out down in time, five, four years from now in March of 2025. This is nothing to worry about when you never take the curve literally, especially when you look at it by colors. What that was saying was, 
this part of the euro dollar futures curve, this part of the euro dollar futures market was beginning to hedge against more extreme possibilities, more extremely negative possibilities. And the way that manifested was in this small, tiny little inversion out in the blues, way down the curve. But it wasn't the market saying we are predicting something bad in 2025. It said that, okay, things are going and progressing in the wrong direction. Potential is rising so much that this hedging had overcome the natural shape of the of any curve, which is supposed to be upward sloping. And now the hedging has become so serious that nobody else in the market wants to get into the market and arbitrage it away and wants to take the other side of the trade and the other side of the trade and say, you're crazy. Everything is going inflation. Everything's going gangbusters. You want to hedge against a negative proposition? I'll take that bet and then some. The fact that nobody was doing that enough to uninvert the curve at that time meant that the market was turning in the wrong direction and it had only just reached its initial inversion stage, which is way out in those colors. Way out in that indefinite future. We are concerned, the market was saying, about something at some indefinite future over the horizon. But as we see in so many aspects of life, it starts at the periphery and then the infection, if it's serious, works its way into the core. And that's what we've been seeing over the last six months is it's been working its way closer and closer to the whites and the reds, the near term, the immediate term, the term that belongs to the Federal Reserve. When they say jump, the rates should say, well, how high would you like us to jump? They have inverted in the reds, and your article here was bringing to our attention that the whites were nearly inverted, meaning not just over the horizon, but now the market was saying, we see something on the horizon. Yeah, the fact that the reds had already inverted was already a serious sign of deterioration or rising immediate potential for whatever's wrong. Of course, we know what's wrong. I mean, collateral shortages, downturn, recession, all these things, the rising probabilities of those combined is how this curve, you know, the inversions. I love your retching cat uh, analogy. And that's, of course, that thumbnail from David Parkins, where, you know, sort of the retch starts at the tail at the back end and sort of moves forward in time. Well, that isn't the the mess moving up in time. That is the market pricing more and more confidence in certainty that this thing that they're all hedging against is becoming more of a thing. It's becoming more of a, of a more of a, a certainty, more of a probability, as well as more of an immediate certainty, immediate probability. So as the inversion works its way down the curve, as you said, Emil, it had already reached the reds to begin with, which is serious sign of deterioration. And that was back, I believe, in March during all the fireworks back then. So the curve has been inverted already in the Fed's territory for some time, and not just by a little bit, but, but quite a lot. And so what we're saying here is the next step in progression, if we do get closer and closer and closer to this thing that's going wrong, that the entire, this massive, deep, sophisticated market, it feels it needs to hedge so much against that, whatever that is that the market's hedging against becomes an immediate danger. We'll see that when the inversion starts to creep into the last place it hasn't moved into yet, which is the whites. And as you said... Okay. Sorry, Emil, the, as you said, nope. yeah, just only a couple basis points over the last couple of days. The, the, the spread between what's be what's a red contract and the, and the last two white contracts has really diminished uh, over the last week or so. They're hedging against escalating systemic fragility, not any 
single event, just that it's getting more fragile. And should somebody sneeze funny, things could go wrong quickly. Another deep, sophisticated market has been corroborating the Eurodollar futures market, which is often said to be the largest futures market in the world, maybe except, uh, yeah, that one. Uh, and that's the U.S. Treasury market. It's specifically the two-year yield, which, Jeff, should be reacting, as we just talked about, Eurodollar futures and LIBOR. It should be reacting directly to the Fed, and the Fed has been saying, we're going to keep raising rates. So the, the yield should be rising. but for some period of time now, it hasn't been rising. And for a while there, it was heading south. More recently, it's flattened out. But still, the, the message is similar to what Eurodollar futures are saying. If you own a two-year treasury, your investment considerations are other alternatives that are of similar investment characteristics, low risk, um, general return. So if you're owning a two-year treasury and you think within the two-year period of owning a treasury, the repo rate or, you know, IOER, for example, are going to be higher than the yield on the two-year treasury. You're going to want to sell your two-year treasury in anticipation of those higher alternative rates. So the two-year rate is one of the most significant proxies of like the whites and reds and Eurodollar futures that is focused a lot on what's going on with the Federal or what the Federal Reserve says it's going to be able to do or says it wants to be able to do which as we all know, because they've been on TV endlessly, they've been all across the internet. Jay Powell and all of his minions have been saying, most aggressive series of rate, we gotta get control of inflation. This is gonna be 1994 on steroids. If something, you, you know, it's the most aggressive FOMC stance in decades. And yet ever since around the middle part of April and maybe April, I think it was April 21st in particular, the two year rate like the Eurodollar futures inversion creeping toward the whites, the two-year nominal treasury yield has sort of stopped listening to the Fed. Now, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't plummeted, it hasn't reversed, but it has gone sideways. And think about what has happened over, what is it, almost six weeks now. The last six weeks, we've got CPI numbers, we've got more Fed speeches, we got the president uh, and Jay Powell getting together to talk about how they're going to uh, stamp out inflation. We've got all sorts of more uh, and more aggressive policy posturing, call it that, and the market's starting to potentially say, okay, Jay, we, we see you saying that you want to raise rates. Now we're starting to believe that maybe you won't be able to raise rates in the way that you want to, or as far as you want to, which is, of course, consistent with the inversion. In the, if, it, if it does get into the whites, inversion in Eurodollar futures, which is saying that no matter what the Fed projects, no matter what the Fed wants to be able to accomplish, the market is starting to seriously doubt whether the Fed can actually accomplish its aims. Jeff, that's all I've got for this article. Is there anything else you wanted to bring to the audience's attention? No, I think the, the, the summary for this episode is that we're watching these things as potential signs of, as you said, Emil, probabilities, deterioration, fragility, that kind of thing. We aren't quite there just yet, but we're creeping ever so closely. And as we said in the prior episode, you know, the markets, the economy, the situation has had any number of chances to deviate in a much more favorable direction, and it just continues to go in the same direction. We started out with inversion in Eurodollar futures December 1st, way out into the blues, March 2025 contract. Now we've got it inverted, grossly inverted all the way into the reds. It's threatening to move into the whites, and it's been just progressing further and further and further. It has been your wretching cat analogy to a T. 
Now we're just waiting for Jay Powell to pop out of the cat's mouth in, in this gross hairball fashion. Well, there's good money on it that he will. We'll be there to cover it. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's why I hate to, you know, in the bond market, they call this, a, you know, a bullish, a bullish potential in the bond market. And it's, well, maybe it's bullish for uh, those who are holding bond, uh, holding treasury bonds and safe liquid instruments. But it sure as hell isn't bullish for everybody else. 